And the Oscar goes to... Plus picture a podcast where we explore underrated or off the wall movies we think are truly blessed. I am your host Shelby Mooring. I'm your other host Sky Payne. And uh, we are continuing. No, we're ending. Ending. This is <laughs> the last ending. one. My concept of time completely gone. Uh, it's amazing it what exist. not having a computer will do to you and your brain. But you would think my memory would be getting better. I think it's getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> is it possible? I don't Who's know. to say? Science. I don't know it, but this week we are ending our slumber party September series with a movie that I would call Love, Simon for Straits. It's a Cinderella story from 2004 starring Hilary Duff, enemy of Lindsay Lohan at the, at the time, but beloved by many including me stream metamorphosis on spotify thank you and this week we (laughs) are joined by someone who i believe is like one of the world's biggest mama mia stands when i think of mama mia i do associate her in my head 100 percent. welcome to the pod megan kennedy thank you hi i'm I'm honored to be known as a mama mia stand like i feel like that's what's in my soul so i'm it's really an honor great I was like, that's in my like word association in my head. It's like you and Mama Mia. Oh, that's, I love that. When I was looking at my letterbox, it's in my top four. I think they both might be, maybe just the second one, but like, yeah, it's (laughs) iconic. You should just do that thing where people put the same movie over and over again to make the top four, but this time it's just one and two, one and two. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea, honestly. How serious you are about this. Just gotta tell them if I had to get a tattoo, just Mama Mia, Mama Mia, to yeah, Mia, like on to, your chest, to Mama, to Mia. Yeah, <laughs> do you have a preference between the two movies? I think I feel like, in terms of plot, I like the first one, but I do yeah. think like the songs are better in the second one, mostly because I, they I like agree. don't let Pierce Brosnan sing a song by himself. That's um, the biggest thing. And they add share. Yeah. So it's like we could only go up yeah. from all of yeah. the men singing in the first one. Yeah. And like Meryl's like a fine singer. Yeah. Like, I mean, she's she was in into the woods or whatever, yeah. sort of. Like not not her greatest, <laughs> but she happened. was in it. Yeah. So um and I I think like they cast enough people who are good in the second one to like make up for the yes the Meryl loss so definitely and I also think with Meryl it's like yeah her voice is decent but it's like I think the case with any sort of like actors who can sing versus like singers first we kind of run that into the ground as soon as we find out that they have the ability to sing and it's like then they start getting cast in things that are not appropriate for their voices and it's like okay like we can retire this now at least for a little bit exactly into the woods (laughs) literally (laughs) a dark time for many people yeah okay should we do blessed movie of the week yes we should would you like Absolutely. to go first, Shelby? Yes, I would actually. It's funny because it was like, I've watched so many movies that I cannot remember what I watched anymore. Um, 
And it wasn't until I looked at my letterbox to refresh myself that I um, realized that I had the perfect movie for this. In fact, mm-hmm. I gasped when I remembered and I like stood up and ran to go right on my notes. Um, I was so excited. But the movie that I am talking about is Margaret from 2011, directed by Kenneth Lonergan. And it is the director's cut. I want to make that very clear. I have not seen the other butchered version, but the director's cut is the one that I viewed. It's on Criterion Channel. It's, I don't know if it's leaving, if it's coming, if it's going, but it just got added to Criterion this month. And I put it on my macrame. And let me tell you, I had a whale of a time. It is long. It's exhausting. There's every fucking character actor in New York. And then Matt Damon also is there. <laughs> Yes. Why is he everywhere? I mean, why not? You know, and also obviously Anna Paquin, uh, more than making up for, you know, this is honestly her Irishman. Um, if anything, she did not enough talking in Irishman and then she did too much talking in Margaret, I mm. would say, um, but she's fantastic. And basically the, the basic, basic plot of it is that uh, she plays a character named Lisa. There is no one named Margaret in the movie, by the way, that was a little upsetting to me. Um, it's the name of a poem that is read by Matthew Broderick at one point. It's hmm. supposed to be transformative or it's supposed to be a significant moment, but I'm like, oh, he's reading poetry. Okay. Anyway, basically, uh, Anna Paquin's character, Lisa, is a teenager and she is out in New York City and she is looking for a cowboy hat to go to a ranch trip can't remember where might be Wyoming might be Arizona I don't know and she's not important and completely different opposite sides of the country but you know top I mean, and bottom but they're just separated by me yeah but so basically she uh she is like looking for a cowboy hat can't find one in New York for some reason and as she's like leaving the shop she sees Mark Ruffalo who is a bus driver who is wearing a cowboy hat and she's like running beside the bus and is like where'd you get your hat? And of course he's driving a bus. So he's not paying attention to the road and um, runs a red light and ends up killing Allison Janney in this accident, um, which this is not a spoiler. Cause this is the entire like inciting incident for the movie. Mm-hmm. But this is basically the thing that sets uh, Lisa on a long, um, very arduous and very strange um, coming of age path, I guess you could say. Um, it's beyond words, honestly. It's three hours. I would say it's like comparable to like a prestige HBO miniseries. You could probably watch it that way if you really wanted to. Mm, like separated into chunks. So many things happened. So many things, but also sometimes nothing at all happened really. Like it, it was insane. It's really good. I really like it. Um, the only three hour movie that I'd probably maybe watch again. Hmm, that's, that's a pretty endorsement, good endorsement. Yeah. I don't watch movies that are three hours generally. So yeah, I, I might watch it. Um, one more point I will say, um, all of the actors in the world are in this movie and the worst one is Kenneth Lonergan himself. That just needed to be said. He's not very good. Rip, rip to him. <laughs> Megan, do you have a blast movie of the week you would like to share? Um, I do. It's like a documentary movie. So I'm assuming Beautiful. that that works. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, the last movie I watched was the company cast album documentary. Oh, I need to watch it still. Yeah. I need to watch it still. So it's on the Criterion channel. It's like one of their new releases. I think I got it. Like I had the DVD like pre-ordered to come to my apartment. Like a Ooh, month ago. Iconic. Fancy. Um, yeah. I was like, I'm just, you know, this is for me. Um, I'm just going to do this for myself. Um, <laughs> and it's just simply like a delightful documentary like Elaine Stritch is just 
increasingly insane. Like we stand. Stephen Sondheim <laughs> is just standing there, like, oh my God, that was beautiful, but like, let's do it 20 more times because yeah. it was awful. Um, <laughs> it's just like perfect. It goes so fast. Like sometimes documentary, like, you know, they just they get like laggy, but like this, they're mm-hmm. they're just they're going. Um and not to like do any John Mulaney discourse this week, <laughs> but um they're the documentary now like version of this is also like excellent. Yeah. Yes. Like, they're so similar that I saw the documentary now episode before I watched this and I was like blown away <laughs> by like how on point it wait. is. It's insane. Um they're both excellent. I would recommend like a double feature. So yeah. A blessed movie I, and yeah. a blessed show. Because. I would do the same with Great Gardens. Their Great Gardens is so fucking good. Oh my God. It's and impeccable. They're so good at it. Ugh. I'm so excited to watch the, the sweatpants on Bill Hader's right? head. Right? I was just going to say, forever. every day I think of the sweatpants on Bill Hader's head. <laughs> my dad it's randomly ended up watching set. Great I guess Great Gardens is on some channel at like it's on in HBO. the middle of the night. Well, it was just like on cable or something. Oh, and my dad like ended up watching, I guess he woke up and was just like watching some of it and he became obsessed with it for like a literal month. So I showed him that and it changed his life. Like, honestly, that's incredible. He's obsessed with it. It's so good. Who doesn't, who doesn't love it? Um, okay. Wait, speaking of movies that we loved, I watched a movie that I had never seen that I was like, wait, this rocks um it is martin breast midnight run from 1988 and it is a robert de niro charles grodin two-hander and i it was impeccable truly they were so funny together also my edible kicked in at like just the right time when they when the shenanigans really start to ramp up and i was like this is so good but basically um like a mob accountant like he like embezzles money and then there's bounty hunters who are chasing after him. So Robert De Niro is playing one of the bounty hunters going after Charles Grodin. And it's like a buddy cop movie, except neither of them are really cops. One of them is just a <laughs> bounty hunter. Um, it's incredible. I loved it so much. Um, and Robert De Niro is like really hot in it. I was like, wow. I mean, He's the man really hot in this. has had the sauce. Yeah. Like he had the sauce. Time. And I was like, why did we not get more Charles Grodin, Robert De Niro, like movies together? Like they were such a good pair. I highly recommend it. It's on my Netflix watch list because they added it and I went, they have it. Yeah. I got really excited. So I, think, I, I literally did the soon. same thing. It's I'm, so good. I'm I loved it to so watch much. it, honestly. And also, I mean, is this where I make the, the joke? Breast is best. Hmm. Yeah. I <laughs> you're just like then, yeah sure and then a decidedly not blessed movie after that I watched Beethoven which I had not seen since <laughs> I was a child and Charles Grodin he really did something there isn't he married who, who the actress who plays his wife is Bonnie like Hunt. Bonnie Hunt wasn't mm-hmm. she like way younger than him or something oh yeah certainly yeah for sure like, absurd I who was is like, casting yeah. this I wish I knew now, uh, speaking of uh, older men um, in relationships with younger women, I only bring this up because Chad Michael Murray was 23 when this movie was filmed. And if you remember correctly, this is the year after Freaky Friday where he plays a worker at the school. And in this one, he is a high school senior. 
Hillary Duff was 16 years old and was learning, like it was, had her, her learner's permit. And in order to brush up for her driving test, would drive from location to location while shooting. That is how young she was. I just want to make that very clear off the top here. Absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. And like, he looks old. Oh yeah. Why was, why was Chad Michael Murray? Like, why did he decide he was the boy of the moment? Like, I just. He was blonde and white and tall. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and like, he was on, was he on One Tree Hill at this point? Yeah, I, I think, think so. Wintry Hill had started. I'm going to look. I, yeah, I mean, it was on for so many years. I would believe it if you told me right now. Yeah, it started okay. September 20, September 23rd, 2003. I can't speak. Okay, so, so yes, yeah. he was fully on Wintry Hill at this point. Yeah. Um, did you see who actually uh, was rumored to have originally had the part before Chad Michael Murray? I, when I saw that, my jaw dropped. I had no idea. I think that this movie would have been an unmitigated disaster if this person was cast fully. <laughs> that's being kind, I think. And that's, that. I think it's being kind. And I, no ill will towards no Ill this will. man. I just, Not at this, all. Can this person act? I'm like, I don't think so. The person that it is, what, by the way, we're building it up. You would think we we're talking about like Polly Shore or something. No, we're talking about <laughs> Rupert Grint was originally cast in the Austin Ames role. What? How does that make any sense? Makes no sense. Like Wait, any level. Did they like pull his name out of a hat? And Honestly, like, that's, I'm like, how did they come up with this? Like but even out of like Harry out. Potter cast members, him? Yeah, yeah, really. Like of all of them? Like throw Tom Felton in there or something. Like they I don't couldn't know. even get an American. They were like, "Yeah, this British guy will play football and he'll be the quarterback." Makes sense, right? I like, and part of me would be like, "Oh, I wonder if they retooled it after." But I'm like, "No, there's no way in hell they retooled it. This is totally the idea the entire yeah, time, no. based on oh. how absolutely absurd this entire plot is." But like, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine him and Hillary Duff having a conversation, much less pretending to be in love with each other I just like and they're the same age which is wild like they're literally both 33 years old right now they were both like 16 at the time of filming I just like I can't imagine it on any planet like he does not scream jock like Austin Ames in order to work has to be a jock like it's like the Johnny Castle thing from he really has to be like an all he has to be the all-american QB1 he has to be Mm -hmm. Matt Saracen oh yeah that is but yeah sure Friday Night um, Lights. Yeah. Once again, another thing I've never watched. Mm, you should football. watch it. Football heavy, so I, uh, you know. It's not, watch watch Friday It's, it's Texas heavy. Yeah. Maybe I'm anti-Texas. <laughs> no. I mean. <laughs> I mean, there's fair reason to be anti-Texas sometimes, you know. But Friday Night Lights is impeccable. But yeah, he has to be a Matt Saracen type. And it's just so wild to me. Also, like, he had to drop out because of, like, filming Prisoner of Azkaban and like thinking about like his type, like what he looked like and how he acted <laughs> in Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm like, you wanted this person to be QB1? He plays Prisoner of Azkaban is like when they're like 13 or 14, first of all. Literally. And he's Literally. like, he's like, oh, like, you know, he's like, he looks age appropriate. Yeah. Out of all the seven, eight movies, like that's probably one of his better ones. You like, really? <laughs> he was never like the star. Um, no. Yeah. And like, 
yeah that was almost my blessed movie actually was the third harry potter because it's my favorite and i watched it this it's week the it's, best. um it's yeah so, like i'm glad that he <laughs> left a cinderella story for harry potter but <laughs> what led i want to know how they decided i guess they were like well harry potter's big that'll get people in the seats if they know that ron weasley is in this movie I believe that's like, I think the driving factor here. And they're like, well, maybe if he's British, like it's like kind of like old fairy tale-esque, but I'm like, I don't really like, it It just does not track. Cause like Sky said, this has to be a character that is like all American, whatever, you know? Oh, you know, I'm not throwing away my dream. I'm throwing away your <laughs> dream. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like it's like, and the entire thing about Austin Ames is that he has the Johnny Castle complex from Dirty Dancing in which it's like, Patrick Swayze is like, yeah, I'm handsome and it's really difficult for me and no one takes me seriously and I just want my girl to love me. Like, that's like his entire thing. And like Austin Ames in this movie, he's like, I just want to write my silly little poems. I just want to yeah. go to my silly little Ivy League school. I don't want to play football ever fucking again. And I just want Cinderella to text me back. That is what I want. And like, that's his entire thing. And I just can't imagine Rupert Grant because he doesn't, I mean, like he doesn't have the energy to begin with, but also just like, I would imagine him more as an artist type anyway. Like it's supposed to be absurd that like Austin Ames, the football player wants to be a poet. <laughs> like that's the entire right. thing. It's just, truly like, wild. Um, I also do want to mention, um, so <laughs> this movie has spawned multiple sequels, of course. The Cinderella story cinematic universe, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, there have been four. I'm going to read you the titles and I'm going to read you the stars of each just because I think it's an interesting progression. So first of all, we have another Cinderella story, which starred Selena Gomez Andrew yeah. Seeley, once again, much older than she was. She mm-hmm. was definitely like 16 at the time coming off of Wizards of Waverly Place or whatever. Um, and then we have uh, Cinderella's story, Once Upon a Song, which starred Lucy Hale. I've never even heard of this one. No, the, the rest of them, it gets rough. Um, a Cinderella story, If the Shoe Fits, starring one so- Sophia Carson, Oh, Evie from I the love her. I do love her, but very hooey. Like, very why strange. was she in this? But I, I do love her. And then uh, we have, oh, wait, hold on a second. Yeah, once upon a song, If the Shoe Fits, A Cinderella Story Christmas Wish, starring Laura Murano. And then hmm. the most recent one, which I have the subtitle, but I guess I just like cut it out. And it's coming out this year. I don't know if it's like oh. a Netflix thing. I don't know if it's a straight to the Hulu thing, Crackle, whatever. I'm um, starring Bailey Madison, who you might remember as the little sister in Bridge to Terabithia, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't she like do a bunch of movies with The Rock too? She. <laughs> is that the same girl? Probably did, but you ask me that question is very funny. Like her entire thing is just doing movies with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> I think she like did a few of them with him. She, uh, like... she also was in Just Go With It, the Adam Sandler movie with Jennifer Aniston. I only know that because for some reason my aunt is obsessed with that movie and I'm every time she like asks us to watch it on vacation I'm like please don't. <laughs> I think I have the wrong young Disney star. Are you thinking Madison MVM. Pettis? Yeah. Yeah. Madison Pettis star is. of He's All That. Same same in my 
I didn't realize that Bailey Madison was a different person. Yeah. Um, I oh, was a, interchangeable. Yeah. I was a bridge 100%. to Jared Bithia and a game plan Stan. So like, mm-hmm. I of course would never mix them up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just very interesting to me that this is like, this has spawned so many. And I guess it makes sense because it's like, the original is like the Cinderella story, just like pretty straight, you right. know, it's like not really like, yes, there are some creative liberties being taken here and there, including uh, Jennifer Coolidge, like in a tanning bed and eating a lot of salmon. Oh, like, iconic. One of the best parts of this movie. Oh, oh, we'll get to her in a second. Yeah. But it's like pretty straightforward. Like it's, you can easily pick out who's supposed to be who, whatever, except for maybe like her best friend. I guess you could say he's Gus Gus or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but like everybody else pretty much is like, you know, kind of close. Um, and then I assume I've only seen part of like the Selena Gomez one, but it's like, I would assume all of these girls are like poor and being abused by their step parents. Like that's like maybe their entire thing. I don't know. You could probably do that over and over again. Or is it just like the Cinderella story branding, but like the actual story itself doesn't have anything to do with it. Sort of like a haunting in Connecticut to Ghosts of Georgia situation. Hmm. A Chad Michael Murray it. vehicle, by the way, that I have seen at least 30 minutes of. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I do have to say when I logged on to Netflix to watch this, this was like the 10th top movie in the U.S. today. So oh, yeah. staying power. The nostalgia. Wild. I had to search yeah. for it. <laughs> oh, that's really embarrassing. I, like went on, I went on Google and was like, where can I watch Cinderella Story? Did the same. Like, if I have to rent it or something, I want to know. And then I went on Netflix and like assumed it would be somewhere because it had like just, it like just came out on Netflix, right? Yeah, yes. it just came out. Yeah, just I, I assumed it'd like be on there and like, it's not like Netflix, the algorithm like has me clocked. Like this is exactly, <laughs> this was like 96% or something. Like <laughs> it ended up not being 96%, but like they think it would be and like it should yeah. be. Um, of course, yeah. And it still wasn't even like up there for me. So that's, yeah. That's absurd. I don't know. Netflix needs to fix their algorithm clearly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I did the same thing. I even looked, I looked for the DVD first because normally I watch stuff on my laptop yeah. and then I take notes like in an open window on my computer screen at the same time. So it's easy. But so I looked for the DVD, could not find it. I do not know where I've placed, misplaced my a Cinderella story DVD. I'm very distraught. Um, <laughs> very upsetting. But then I saw it was on Netflix. I was like, thank God, I don't have to pay money to rent this movie (laughs) just for 24 hours. Um, And I was very happy that it was on Netflix and it was easily available. Um, I have not watched this movie probably. Oh God. If I had to take a wild guess, maybe middle school. Yeah, I don't think I've seen this. Honestly, probably excessively then. Since around when it came out. I also forgot. I forgot that the whole way that her dad dies was in the Northridge Earth. Yes. I, so I wasn't paying wild. attention already by that point. <laughs> yeah. As, <laughs> as you do with these movies. Yeah. I watched it today. Cause like, it's just how my life is going. Um, and I was like, <laughs> sort of like doing errands at the same time, like had my headphones on playing on my laptop. Yeah. And I just like came back and like her dad was dead and I was like, okay. And I'm on like the Wikipedia now and it's like earthquake. I'm like, oh. Oh, and okay. like yeah. the IMDb totally trivia and the it. Wikipedia page both are like 
Yeah, because like in the movie, they make it really vague as to like what happened during the earthquake. Mm-hmm. Like they don't yeah. show anything actually happening to him or and they don't have her saying what happened because it's all yeah. But it's like, they're like, yes, a beam fell on him. <laughs> I'm like, we're so specific. say that? I, I do, they do have good um, earthquake safety in this movie. I feel like a lot of movies <laughs> make you go like under the desk or like under your yeah. bed. And that is like the worst place to go for an earthquake. You're supposed to go in between like the doorway. And I was like, I've seen stepbrothers. I know what happens when a bunk bed <laughs> collapses on you. I was like, good on this movie for showing Hillary, little mini Hillary Duff in the like door frame. I was like, good job on that earthquake safety. Not the point, but there was once an earthquake um, when we lived in Indiana, like when I was in middle school, that was so powerful, pa- powerful. <laughs> Jojo Siwa's entered the chat. Um, so powerful that it awoke everyone but my brother, right? Mm-hmm. And my dad, instead of like, you know, I don't know, like, hurting us into a safe space, got up and ran out the door. <laughs> like George Costanza said, when yeah. there was a fire in the apartment building. Like that is literally what happened in that moment. And That's I'm like, absolutely the dad thing to do. Like go check out the storm, except it's an earthquake. Yeah, really. Yeah. I, and like, of course, I was like, what are you going to do? fight the earthquake like what why'd you leave your children and your your wife I was like I'm just gonna send her all the story I know what happens in these scenarios come on but also I had not it's not a Mandela effect because it's like not really like it, it just doesn't work but in a sense I almost had a Mandela effect moment because I could have sworn like if you had asked me yesterday no when did I watch this movie two days ago who plays her dad in this movie? I would have said Dennis Quaid. <laughs> and right? was not, I was not Dennis Quaid at all. I like it cut to him and I went, who is this man? I've never seen him before in my life, even though I've watched this movie many times. I don't know who I pictured, but it wasn't that like, it wasn't him, but I don't he know. Really who. Is very like generic a, he is yeah. a random man, like an yeah. absolute romantic random man to the point he's so generic looking i almost thought they double cast him as austin's dad oh my god they could honestly they could have that is the same man right like that could Mm -hmm. i wouldn't have noticed okay now i can only picture it's one of the dads but i can't tell them apart but like i'm thinking of one of the dads or maybe (laughs) it's just a guy but like they're all already combined anyone yeah Yeah. like absolutely could be anyone i watched this less than less than five hours ago yeah and I don't remember them it's like this like when you like could morph your face with like a celebrity and get Mm -hmm. your baby it's like that but it's like a grown man (laughs) yeah that's what I'm picturing right now right like I could not tell you who these men are I don't even know what they look like right but I mean I think they're just like composite men of every like American white man in his like mid 40s in like the early 2000s but they're just like AI robot like versions of that and they it's, just thought everyone's it's, faces and I think it's fair that I thought it was Dennis Quaid because it's like Dennis Quaid I wouldn't say Dennis Quaid is generic obviously because I remember what he looks like I know who he is right but like he is like the amplified version of like a generically like handsome 40 something dad right in this era so like I think it makes sense as to why I would have connected the dots there totally it's it's very a him role and he's like the prototype for like this this yes 
It's like, it feels very like parent trap dad-ish to me. Yeah. Yeah. Single dad, a daughter, right? Like evil stepmother. Well, she's not stepmother yet, but fiance. Yes. Um, Tomboy daughter. Yeah. And exactly. Say Jennifer Coolidge is like the iconic evil stepmother to me. Like I, I didn't watch this movie like a ton when I was younger, but like in my head, she is like so intrinsically linked to like mm-hmm. being the evil stepmother because yes. she is so fucking good in this movie. She, she gives literally like an Oscar caliber performance in this movie that does not deserve her. Right? I absurd how good she is. I and she was always the one to get a laugh from me when I was re- like when I was watching this movie. I oh yeah. And every single line, every single time she does something very physical, it lands every single time. Like she just delivers the shit out of this. And if you had anyone else in this role, like anyone who's like lesser of a comedic actor, it just wouldn't be the same. Like even the way when she's like, like when she's first introduced and she's eating the salmon and it's like, she's like, oh my God, lips, like she's an otter or something. It's insane. It like and falls she, on her boob and like, oh she like God, eats it yes. off. For, like it's exactly what so I would good. do. First of all, Norwegian. Yeah, like relatable Norwegian. Yeah. Every, every choice she is making in this film is like the most blessed it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Like she is just delivering on truly every single level. And it's incredible. She's like in her own movie. It's like, I would say her and the sisters are in their own movie almost because it's like everybody else. It's like, oh, they're in like a normal teen movie. And then their presence, it's like, it heightens everything. I think tenfold. It's almost like Gina Gershon being in Showgirls and like understanding (laughs) that this material is silly and campy and ridiculous. And she's like, I'm going to play it like a drag queen. And then she went and did it because she's a genius. Like Jennifer Coolidge is like, this movie is absurd and it's campy and it's silly and they're going to have me eating salmon for months. So I'm just going to bring this up to my level, right? Like yeah. she, she's incredible. I love it so much. It's like so perfectly calibrated um, to what this character needs to be. And she's like both, you know, despicable, but like, you're kind of like, I kind of like this woman. Like she's like fully not oh, a good person, but yeah, I kind yeah. of stand. Like, did you see the way she decorated the house after the dad died? Honestly, I stand. I Every she aesthetic got, she choice she, she made. Yeah. It. It's so cute. And she like, she wears her little outfits. Her daughters have cute, like little, like pink and green matching outfits. They love the to match. Like, Oh, I love it. I'm living for the fantasy. She's a terrible person, but like, I want to be her, her when I grow up. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, hundred percent. I just like, don't want the ending where, you know, she gets everything taken away. Like I yeah. want to like yeah. live happily in bliss. <laughs> and I'm just like, honestly, I know that that's got like 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. But we, <laughs> oh, did it have really? This, yes, it did. We have rated this higher just for Jennifer Coolidge's performance. This so like I also hadn't watched this maybe since middle school, certainly not for like yeah. 10 years. Um, and it was so much worse than I remembered. Yeah, except yeah. for Jennifer. Because exactly. that's like I mean, literally one of my comments is ha, ha, I'm overreact overacting to everybody except for her because she's the only one who like got it. But I would give so it like at least it. a 25% for her. She's in like yeah. 20, at least 25% of the movie, like. I, I think it's like it's worth it for her she's perfect 
Um, I would I would say that her and Regina King I think are yes. mm-hmm. way better than this movie. Like oh. Regina oh. King, my leftovers queen. We stand obviously. And it's Regina so funny- King's character is like one dimensional. She has oh. she's given nothing to work. She with. has exactly two modes. I'm me and working Sam in are diner. besties. I'm working in a diner. I love her. And then like anytime there's conflict, they have her going into oh hell no. Mama bear. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, it's, it's like trope. It's not, it's like bad writing in the sense that like this character is not given anything beyond supposedly being this nurturing figure to to Hillary Duff's character. And while that's what makes her great, because she really is like the only person that Sam really, really has like in her corner. You know, obviously she has like Carter and she has like the people at the diner, but like Rhonda is always her number one person, her her number one supporter and has been since she was a child, right? Um, like that's great and that's lovely. I think her and Hillary Duff are good together and Hillary Duff always says, it's not very good. But when they're together, their chemistry is nice. You can tell they like each other and that they respect each other, which is great. But like, that's all it is really. It's like, there's not, you don't learn anything else about Rhonda, except that like, she has a wedding dress just lying around that she right. hasn't she worn. Just... And she's think... planning to use later, I guess, but we don't know anything about that. Okay, and like, like, they just don't care about her. Like, she's like, so tertiary to this like insane plot that they're just like, oh, we just like have her around. Cause we need her to go help her find a costume and then like adopt her at the end. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, like I get the fairy godmother as a character doesn't necessarily have like a, a ton to do besides being like bippity bobbity boo in the cartoon, for example. But yeah. like have their have them like hang out at her house for a little bit, besides like at the end when she like comes to live with her. Have them like talk about her personal life and like things she's going through. Like I, it's so easy to like beef up this character just a little bit, you know? Make they her could have done so much, like just little things little changes that would have like made it so much better I would also just like to say the audacity to have and I know this is just how the cast is but Chad Michael Murray above Regina King and like the, the credits we'll never I see know. that again we never should have no. seen it in the first thank place God. yeah <laughs> I mean I'm just simply blown away and I know Regina King had like a lot of these like sidekick kind of roles at this yeah. time and like I'm just pleased that that's not the case anymore yes <laughs> because like, what yes. the fuck I remember when Be- Beale Street was like getting attention and I remember yeah. when her role specifically was getting the most attention and I remember thinking like I really like I have loved this woman since the Cinderella story I'm like if she gets this Oscar I will feel very vindicated and very excited like it will feel oh, like yeah. my aunt is winning something right like yeah I was so excited to see her recognized and like her winning genuinely was like so wonderful because it's like somebody who has been working their ass off for years and years and years and has been doing such good work is finally recognized in a role that really suits them and allows them to shine and that is like when oscar wins are the most satisfying it's like when someone genuinely did their best work and like everybody else is like yes this is not only the best work of this person's career but it's the best work out of everybody this year that's the best that's great when it comes together and it doesn't always come together in that way unfortunately but she really deserved that win and like stuff like this like endeared her endeared me to her and I think endeared so many other people to her but oh yeah you know it's so exciting to get to see her like actually be like 
our, you know, a bona fide name and everybody be so obsessed with her. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. 100%. That. Especially considering, oh, I was just going to say really quick on the IMDb trivia page, they did make sure to mention that Simon Helberg and Regina King both were in an episode of the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> oh no. Oh, which we can talk about Simon Helberg in a minute. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Megan, what were you going to say? Like one of my favorite childhood movies was like the second Legally Blonde. I love the first one. Mm-hmm. The second one um, is like in DC or whatever. And like, yes. I'm, I'm a political scientist. So like it, it made sense <laughs> with my like weird brain at the time. Um, and she's like the like office person who she works with, like as a redeeming like arc or whatever. And so like, that was my like overwhelming like memory of Regina King. And then I saw yes. like Watchmen after like everybody like I wasn't going to because like I don't really like comic book stuff. They were yeah. like, no, it's not. It's not. And so it's I watched so it better. and I was like, what? What have I been doing for these like 15 <laughs> yes. years? What what, um, what Megan, doing? if you haven't watched The Leftovers, she's fucking incredible in it. She doesn't show up until season two, but okay. she is incredible. I'll put it on my list. She's so good. I, and like, I'm spreading the gospel of the leftovers. <laughs> and Jennifer Coolidge and Regina King, both in Legally Blonde. I just want to say real quick it's so wild to me the person who wrote this movie Lee Dunlap has never written another movie <laughs> well hung it up hung it up <laughs> literally, literally oh I'm, my god like no other credits none whatsoever. well she has like a lot of like based on characters created by for all oh. the other Cinderella <laughs> Oh my god, what if like the characters from this movie pop up in the other ones? So it's like so that's how she gets the credit. So it's just, you know, some people were not meant to write screenplays, and especially like in the early 2000s This is what we got. And I mean, if this movie, if this yeah. movie yeah. was made now, they would have had someone like given a second pass and we would have had oh, that. for sure. <laughs> for for sure. It was very um what I remember of this time. <laughs> I was oh, like, yes. yep. Yep, it's, it you watch it like through a lens. And that's what you. Yeah. I'm yeah, not surprised that she didn't do anything after this. The problem with this movie is that it cannot decide if it wants to be a straightforward teen comedy, romantic comedy with a little bit of drama spliced in, or if it's like kind of surreal and absurdist. Like, mm-hmm. like, and I'm specifically talking about like the Zorro chasing after one of the three musketeers moment at the, the homecoming Halloween dance and like fully having like a full on fight scene in the middle of this dance. And then like Wild. the, the chase sequence afterwards or the car sequence um, where <laughs> Hillary Duff says to Dan Bird's character, Carter, I need fast and furious, not driving this Daisy. I have that line <laughs> written down because that is an iconic line. <laughs> And like you almost watch Jennifer Coolidge and the uh, twin sisters in their Siamese cat, Siamese twin costumes um, almost die. <laughs> and then a sign falls on his car. Like it doesn't make any sense. It's absolutely absurd. Like the like the level of of heightening being done just for these scenes in particular, like they're heightening the comedy. They're really trying to like get big laughs and have these really absurd sequences. And it's like, the rest of the movie is not like this at all. So I do not understand why any of this is happening at this point. I know it does feel 
a little disjointed, like two different movies there. Like we've just had like a very sincere like moment where Cinderella, you know, Hilary Duff's, you know, character at the, the ball is like dancing with Austin Ames. And it's like, oh, romantic. We have Edwin Gates. Oh my God. <laughs> Crying shoulder playing right now. That I wrote, that is the most 2004 needle drop. Like that is, dare I say, the blue eyed soul version of A Thousand Years by Christina Perry. <laughs> like this movie comes out 10 years later. That song, mm-hmm. A Thousand Years, is playing over it like it's Twilight. Like I think there's no denying. Oh. What was the, the they, there was another band in this, right? Wasn't it like three, three doors down or did I like dream that? I looked at the soundtrack and it's funny because like the three other songs that sound very similar to yeah, uh, they're like all the same crying shoulder. It's like either an artist I never heard of. And then like, I think the goo goo dolls, I think that oh was God. one of the songs featured, um, which was wild. <laughs> And then half the, the soundtrack outside of that is like just Hillary Duff and Haley Duff. Oh, That's yeah, literally it. Course. You look through the soundtrack listing and it's like five or eight songs or whatever with just those two, like either individually or together. Susan Duff, she EP'd this and she worked <laughs> overtime to make sure that these girls were booked busy. <laughs> and like, I, it's absurd. Like to the point where I even looked up like Hillary Duff's run I guess you could say leading up to this point because we've talked a lot about Lindsay and we've talked a little bit about Hillary in their feud and like what right. we think Hillary can or cannot do um but basically she began doing Lizzie McGuire the tv show in 2001 then she did Cadet Kelly in 2002 now keep in mind she is doing the tv show while she does the rest of this so then in 2003 she has Agent Cody Banks the Lizzie McGuire movie cheaper by the dozen that's like alone um I, there's probably other stuff in there as well you know like maybe tv appearances she's probably touring or she's recording an album or something yeah recording songs and then you have a cinderella story and raise your voice in 2004 um i can't remember i think the tv show might have ended by this point but like they were running this girl ragged <laughs> truly they were working her to the fucking bone and she didn't go to a normal high school she was homeschooled that was like a big point that was being made in the IMDb trivia page they were like she never had a normal high school experience (laughs) I'm like yeah because she was working a bajillion hours a fucking day (laughs) that's why like it's so wild also like I when I was watching this I was like can Hillary Duff act were we all just collectively just like (laughs) in it and Mm where we were like we love Hillary you know and I, and I said, mean, I watched younger and yeah. I asked the same question yeah. of younger. I think, I think I will say, you know, I said on the confessions of a teenage drama queen episode, I was like, I don't think Hillary's that good of an actress. I was like, but maybe she'll prove me wrong when I rewatch the movie. Right. And rewatching it. I was like, I, I know she's not a very good actress. And the other thing is like, I think not dissimilar to Lindsay because I don't think Lindsay's a much better actress either. Like, I don't think she's leagues ahead of her. I would say they're basically at the same level. And like, I wouldn't say one is more talented at singing or acting than the other one. Like, it's just that Hillary did more singing and that's kind of like, she kind of wins in that respect. But like, they're at the same talent level. I wouldn't say one is better than the other. 
they both aren't very naturalistic actors. They're very much like you can tell they're like acting, which can work sometimes. But in a movie like this, where especially when you have someone like Regina King, who's doing a very naturalistic, very real performance. And then you have right. Lori Duff, who sounds like, like she's really read the lines 20 minutes before she showed up on set. Like it just doesn't. Well, doesn't I mean, so let me read, let me read this quote from Chad Michael Murray. Oh, I, I found this, I found this article that was like, I have, wait, let me find the title of this article. 16 sweet secrets about a Cinderella story oh. revealed. Also, this was published on January 15th, 2021. Of so. course. Yeah. <laughs> Because Hello. we're running out of content. We're oh running God. out of content. We have to mine everything. Um, and, and I think that a lot of this was written on the fly because let me read you this. Oh, before, I can't before Murray signed on, Austin Ames didn't have much of a backstory. I sat down and I talked to the producer and director and said, hey guys, we should really grow on this storyline. I think having two storylines meet in the middle with two people who aren't happy that find each other and become happy. I think that's interesting. <laughs> So like, mm-hmm. did Chad Michael Murray write this film? Like maybe. So I do think that they added a whole lot. At his behest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you though, that quote, it's like that vine where it's like the kid, like, did you ever have a dream where you, where you, and like, it just like, he like cannot form a coherent sentence. That's what it, like <laughs> when you read that out loud, I literally thought, am I having a stroke right now? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like words nouns verbs there's things happening but i didn't quite understand what he was trying to convey with that like it's like he was trying to sound very intelligent but it was the most generic but it did not yeah i do also like number 13 was because she was allergic to the nail glue jennifer coolidge had to have fiona's fake nails taped on every day (laughs) oh my god true diva behavior imagine being like jennifer coolidge's nail person you have to like tape her little nails on every day that's even funnier because in legally blonde she's a nail tech right (laughs) her entire job they were like yeah we're not gonna buy you a different nail glue so we're just gonna take no, it yeah on. no yeah we're not even gonna give you like press-ons with yeah. like normal adhesive we're just gonna no like, one is going to cvs so we're gonna glue this on. yeah no. yeah, yeah. I, I will say that we press-ons weren't quite to the kiss and press level yet i mean it really did take until like 2020 to really up the press-on nail game i mean I'm just saying, I have talked about Kiss and Press on this podcast at least once before. It's worth mentioning. They used to fly off while I worked retail, so. (laughs) That's relatable. Meet the dining hall. I also just want to mention, um, because we talked about how this movie has like 12% on Rotten Tomatoes, but financially it did very well, right? Oh, yeah. It ended up making 70 million worldwide, which is really good considering this movie, like, probably didn't cost that much. Also, just like was not well reviewed but you want to hear who it premiered behind at the box office it premiered at number four it came behind i robot spider-man 2 and anchorman what a box office a time for cinema yeah a time for cinema okay let's talk about simon helberg because wow i I didn't really have an awareness of him. I I've watched a few episodes of the Big Bang Theory. I hate it. Um, but I, I saw watched that way more than I would ever yeah, um, yeah. admit on Mike. And going that. and going from watching Annette to like this being the next Simon Helberg vehicle that I watched <laughs> was so hard for my brain to comprehend. Did you turn into Baby Annette? I really did. 
<laughs> you turned into a little puppet. I was just a little puppet girl. With big ears. Yeah. I, yeah. No, for me, I, first of all, when I saw his name in the credits, cause he does get a credit. I was like, hello. Second of all, you know, I, like I said, watch way too many episodes of big bang theory. I'm not proud of it. I don't stand by it. That person she's in the past. I don't recognize her, but like, I gotta tell you his performance in that is probably already in my top 10 performances of the year like it's not even like a showy role but he is so good in it He's it was like so good in it. like I didn't expect much I really did not expect much because it was like I don't know he's on the big bang theory like ugh, how <laughs> yeah, good same. can he be because like I mean you also got like Johnny Galecki on that you know what I mean it's like not exactly and Kaylee Kowalko it's not exactly like they're yeah. like Academy Award winners in the making but you know, and he's so good at that. I couldn't believe it. I was, I was shaken to my core. And then I come back and watch this and I'm like, actually, this is a fun performance. When he starts twirling his cape, when he's <laughs> supposed to be Neo on the dance floor. I was like, this is great. I would watch more of this. <laughs> yeah. Like him <laughs> like cosplaying as Neo made me laugh really hard. Yeah. Out of the 80% of this movie that I already forgot like the 20% remaining that I do remember, he's like at least part of it, which is yeah. more than I can say for like, obviously 80% of the rest <laughs> of the movie. But I haven't seen honestly. Annette, so I'm I'm interested to see how he, because I only he's know him from great net. what I've seen of the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, it yeah. will. I think it'll change your perception yeah. of him for sure. Because like, I really yeah, was like, I was, guy. But yeah. I was like, oh, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised with him. It's like, there's so many like little moments in this movie that I'm like, oh, there is something deep down here that is good. And we just like have to excavate the other parts of it to get to there. There are lines that are great, you know? Yeah. I mean, half of them are Jennifer Coolidge's lines, of course. Oh yeah. Um, but like, there are great lines here and there. I mean, and you do have some pretty good supporting performances. You know, I, I like um, Dan Bird is Carter a lot. I like when we first see him, he's like fully doing a Chet Hanks. Oh God. He is kind of Chet moment. Yeah. Um, the Moore, you know, really just like committed to that. He's a method actor. Um, I did like whenever they were in the middle of the chase car sequence, whatever you want to call it. And she's like, go faster. And he's like, I'm going 38 to 35. <laughs> Cause it's I related so to that. I was like, that's me driving. I it's there's like right there's so many little things that it's just like so good I love that this evil stepsisters are like on the periphery and they're not like the popular crowd and they're trying so desperately Mm -hmm. hard to be popular and I just think that's an interesting take and I I wish it was like yeah like I was like that's fun yeah Mm -hmm. that's good I think that works and they reminded me, I was like, this is probably what Darcy and Stacy um, from the 90 Day Fiance universe were like. literally what I was thinking. I was like, they seem like they really want to be like in on it and they're just not. Yes. Um, which is like, I don't know. Like I, I thought they were like, obviously not nice, but they were kind of like yeah. sweet. Sort yeah. of. And it, yeah, that's exactly like, what high school is like, I think. Like, so, they, like they do synchronized swimming. Like right. I feel kind of bad for them. Like they're not cool and it's okay. <laughs> and the writing for them is not great because it's like, 
half of it is like fart jokes and like weird embarrassing stuff but like I think they're trying their hardest and they're good I mean I like them in the roles I just think that the writing's not good obviously and they do what they can with it and I mean they did get a laugh from me so I mean what more can you say and they look great in their little costumes I love the costumes they're great like I would probably wear their stuff (laughs) of everybody's costumes honestly but like they're really I love their matching like juicy tracksuit oh that, that felt very 2004 that car washing is very funny when they like get oh the hot wax and then it's like their hair is like standing up straight they look like Cynthia from Rugrats you know? <laughs> yeah literally I think I wrote that in my notes it's so funny I also just think it's very funny relating to like the rich people problems thing, but like Austin Ames is all about like my poetry, you know, I, I want to go to Princeton. I want, you know, and meanwhile, like, and that's his biggest struggle. I mean, while Sam's biggest struggle is that she has one friend, she's being abused. She has no money. She just wants to go to college. She just wants to have an education. Her dad's dead. <laughs> and she works like a hundred hours a week. She works at yeah, like the, food service. They, they are violating child labor laws because she is 17 years old. Yep. Like, and she's been doing this for years. Like, I'm like, sorry, Austin. I don't feel that bad for you. <laughs> like, you're popular. You got a Range Rover. You're a handsome boy. Like, whatever. I don't care. You know, poor Sam is like really slumming it. Everybody's calling her diner girl, which is like both rude, what but a- also very funny that they cannot think of anything else. Yeah, like I'm like- insult. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, is this indeed.com? Yeah. Like, it's so funny. She works in a diner. Like, okay. People have jobs. I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah. I was like, dude, like, nobody at this high school, like, have a job. Uh, I guess that is like delusional rich kids, like, version of an insult, you know, like insulting people by describing the the minimum wage job that they do. we're supposed to see this as like the ultimate dig and it's like well she does work at a diner I mean they were like we don't know anything about her so we're just gonna pick one thing that we see right in front of us yeah really and I mean I guess they say it in a derogatory tone and they don't plan on tipping her um that's the worst thing that happens in relation to diner girl and then he's like I'm gonna break up with you because you're not tipping her it's like okay yeah giving us Shelby's a very bad name and mm-hmm. I have to say this is a part of the Shelby cinematic universe um, including Ford versus Ferrari and Steel Magnolias if there's any other movie that is a part of the Shelby cinematic universe that you know of please inform me those are the only ones that I can remember at this time um there are not many cinematic Shelby's which I'm kind of okay with I don't you know Sky and I both have a thing about like not wanting to share our names with other people <laughs> oh yeah I I I would have that, but like currently two of the most famous people are named yeah. Megan. So like, I'm yeah. also like, I know that like there are like a million people born in the mid nineties are also named Megan. So like, I can't, yeah, <laughs> I can't complain big much. Time. Big time for Megan's yeah, for sure. Big time for <laughs> Megan's. I do find it very funny though, that Carter, because there's like a small subplot of like Carter, Sam's best friend, Hillary Duff's character's best friend, um, being obsessed with Shelby and like, thinking she's so hot blah 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 and it's both funny because it's like you know oh we have to have like the the geeky guy be in love with the popular girl but also the fact that like she is so rude to his literal best friend (laughs) and he's still like yeah she's a hottie she's a babe yeah i'm obsessed with her he does not give a fuck (laughs) 
He's like, fuck your feelings. I'm going to horny jail. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, like, I, I know will she's put a like, woman over you. I know she bullies you for working at a diner, but like, I can't help myself. Yeah, but like, I, yeah. I cannot. Like, I have to have this girl. Um, well, okay. I guess I mentioned at the top, but this movie is Love, Simon for straights. And I, and I made that joke at first just because of the email and I am stuff. But then as the movie went on, I went, no, this is literally love side. <laughs> because you have obviously the email aspect because the two characters, the love interests are emailing each other and texting and IMing or whatever. And they don't know who the other one is. They both go yeah. to the same school. Also like you've got mail and shop around the oh, corner vibes. Yep, that too. And then- they also both feel like they don't belong, but rather than, you know, oh, I'm gay and I don't belong. It's like, oh, I'm being abused and I'm poor and I'm going to go to Princeton. And then he's like, I want to write poetry, but I play football, you know, like <laughs> that's his struggle. And then he's so oppressed. And then it's like, okay, uh, we'll meet at some point, maybe, maybe not. And they kind of waffle back and forth on that. They interact several times you know, without maybe realizing that the, the other person is the person they're talking to, things like that. Um, even though the audience, unlike Love, Simon, does know from like moment one that he is nomad or whatever. And then you also have the reading of the emails in front of the entire school. Happens very, yeah. not dissimilarly in Love, Simon. The only difference there is like- And people are making fun of them. That whole yeah. like performance in the cafeteria versus that- that pep rally skit thing that they do, which honestly, to be honest, like, I know that they're like making fun of them, but that seems more like a loser move. Like people yeah. can bully them for doing that. Right. A skit. That's loser behavior. I, mean, I have to tell you. <laughs> I, like, it is. like, I know this is obviously a movie and Okay. Is sure, <laughs> sure I was in high school like I graduated like 10 years after this movie came out but I was like I don't I don't understand I don't understand how they like have no idea that it's each other yes like at all like and like my high school was like 600 and theirs was like 3500 or something so like maybe I don't know what it's like with that right, like people. I guess I guess that's true. Like when I went to Sam Ohio, like I didn't know uh, everybody because our mm-hmm. high school had like 6,000 people. But like also he's like seen her before at the diner. Like they have a vague yeah. awareness of each other and she doesn't look that different in that mask and dress. No, no it covers like none of her face. No. I also feel like if you, I don't know if this is actually a thing or if I like learned it from Gilmore Girls and like think it's real and it's not. But like Princeton and Ivy League schools take only like a couple people from each school. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I looked up the acceptance rate. The Princeton's acceptance rate is 5.3%. There's yeah. no goddamn way that two people from the same school got in. There's no way. They would have, and, have like impeccable transcripts. And let's be real. If one of them is getting in, it's the one with daddy's money. Oh, exactly. Not mm-hmm. Hillary Duff. Sorry no. to say. Also, I'm sorry. She doesn't seem like the Ivy League, uh, Ivy League type. I'm just... Put it out there. This movie was Princeton propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> I like because princes go to Princeton. Princesses. That, sorry. Princesses that go to Princeton. Line, I, I came up with a better line that would only work now, but obviously Meghan Markle went to Northwestern. So princesses mm. go to Northwestern. Yeah. 
you're right. Maybe if they made this movie about Northwestern, maybe I would find it more believable. It's also a good <laughs> school, but like seems more attainable. I don't know. But the whole thing of like, none of them recognize who she is. That drove me bonkers because first of all, like we said, she's not hard to like pinpoint and see, especially because they know her well enough to give her the nickname Diner Girl. So multiple yeah. people have an awareness of her. The most popular people at least have an awareness of her. They know who she is. Like there's that. Th- those are the people who count in this movie. The people who like are most important, the characters that we see the most. There's also the fact that he interacts with her on several occasions, literally one time right before the dance. And then another time, like a day or so later. And I'm just saying like Hillary Duff has a very distinctive voice. Like you hear that voice, you know who it is. There's no mistaking it. Like if this is Julie Gonzalo playing Cinderella, okay, I can understand maybe being a little confused. But no, this is Hilary Duff. We all know what she sounds like. Not to mention she has the same haircut the entire movie. The little bangs. I was like, look at the, the blonde yearbook. hair. Look in the yearbook. And they were like, literally, oh, you did. No, you didn't. You didn't look you at any yearbook. immediately. Yeah. I also was baffled by the fact that he did not at any point attempt to text somebody in her phone and say, hey, who is this? Yeah. Whose well, phone is this? I found it. it. Like- Just- I want to return this phone just like just what yeah is there no like emergency contact in there this man doesn't have critical thinking and that's why I don't think that he could go to Princeton no right. exactly. although I don't know because there's a lot of college students who don't critically think even but, like Princeton, he I'm couldn't sure. get on, oh, on his smarts that's what we're saying mm-hmm. exactly yeah you know I I don't think writing good poetry is enough and also we don't hear enough of his own poetry to make that assumption even good but um but you know like I found that part really true and not to mention she is a workhorse like she's being worked to death in this this movie and that phone clearly is a part of that like she's always getting texts about like you know because there was like a line about like oh I tried looking at the text messages and it was just like come here now I need you now and then the friend was like oh that's like horny kinky whatever he literally says the word kinky and he's he's like no it was just like come here something about the fryer or whatever and like that reveals that she like is working I guess and I'm like also couldn't you maybe then start to connect the dots like oh she's being summoned to the fryer the diner. she works in a like, diner maybe she has blonde hair <laughs> like like here's so the stupid do we want to Shelby do you wanted to go through the plot quickly yeah, we can kind of run through it we talked about a lot of it but I think we can run through it here um I mean to begin with we already talked about her dad dying in the North Northridge earthquake Wild. Beam, um and then is like passed off to Fiona her stepmother, who's played by Jennifer Coolidge. Um, they do meet in the diner that he runs. She's very mousy. Um, I love that. I also love that, like, at the wedding, when they're taking the pictures of all of them together, she drops her flowers so Sam will bend over and pick them up. And so she's out of the photo. <laughs> that moment did make me laugh really hard. So rude. <laughs> And then she's like, okay, I think we got, no we got more everything. Pictures. We're good. No more pictures. No more pictures. And that's how you know she's a horrible person. Truly. I love it. She's Incredible. like, let me pick on this, this like eight-year-old. <laughs> Just to feel something inside, you know? Um, but basically, like Sam, she's 17. She's living in the San Fernando Valley. She wants to go to Princeton because that's where the princesses go. Um, 
And Sam's father did not leave a will. So because of that, well, allegedly, uh, because of that, the house, cars, all the possessions in the diner go to Fiona. And she is basically forced into living in the attic, I guess you could say, or like the uppermost level of the house. Um, And, you know, I have many questions. Um, First of all, I mean, I like the dad-daughter relationship in this movie. You know, I love the line, of course, you know, never let the fear of striking you out, you know, keep you from playing the game or whatever, Um, or finishing the game, whatever it is. But what I do not like is that um, they have like a very like gather-ass like wall decal in the diner of that quote. Never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. I did laugh because the font is literally like, live laugh font. my overwhelming question about the diner was does it close during the recession and I really think that's yes oh like I really think three years it goes down hard how's that not make it yeah um and then you know we get the do you think JLo has a brown lawn (laughs) yeah of course yeah and then we end up meeting Carter he's like being Chet Hanks or whatever. Um, and then we see like everybody at school. We see all the little mean people, including Shelby and Austin Ames. Um, and the entire thing is just like, you know, we learn about Nomad chatting with Sam and they met in a Princeton chat room or something. Like so wild. <laughs> and in a Princeton chat room, what is Sam saying that gets Austin's attention? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, what could she possibly be chatting about? And he's like, oh my God, like, I know I have a girlfriend. I have to but meet like, this girl. And we go to the same school, but like, I don't know her. But like, I can't figure <laughs> who out who is she, she is. She's so mysterious to me, you know? I, I, It's just very funny. And I love also that like, she fully sees him in person and is like, I cannot stand this guy. Like he's just, yes. he's, he's dating, he's the quarterback dating. The, the perfect trope. Like, yeah. But then like cut to her, like texting him. And of course, you know, she's like on her little blue sparkly phone, T-9ing it, T-9ing it. Sorry, Laugh out loud. T-9ing it. Laughing T-9ing out loud. That, <laughs> that TikTok audio now. <laughs> she, it's just fully texting him. He's on the other side of the thing. And like, they're having a full text conversation. And not only that, they're typing out full paragraphs to each other on this, on these little phones. And then he is texting back immediately. Men, you have no right? excuse. He's like, I miss you. Literally. She's like, I talked to you this morning. He's like, I don't care. I want to talk to you again. <laughs> like, okay. Why don't I ever get this kind of. <laughs> yeah. Where's the, where are these where's guys? Where's the energy? What the hell is this? Yeah. Like he is putting in the work. Yeah. I also just love that when Shelby and her little minions are walking the hallway and they keep going, move, move to everybody. I'm like, I want to do that so badly. Are you kidding me? They have great energy and I love it. They're, they're terrible, but they're so good. They're so like, I could see all three of them being cast on the bachelor right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Future bachelor, they're, they're going to paradise, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure, yeah, and they're gonna like cause all sorts of drama. It's it's great, like, I would love to see it, honestly. They're gonna be mean, and we're gonna get a half assed Instagram notes app apology, and then, yep, they'll lose, and it's gonna say something apology. about like, yes. I've been thinking, and I've been listening, and I've been learning, I've been and I've been 
I've been reading. Um, I've been so torn Educating up about this. myself. Yeah. I've been so torn up about this. I can't even take my fit tummy tea sponsorships right yeah. now. I just like, it's hard, you know? like that's exactly they would all be influencers now like if this movie was remade they'd all be influencers and they would be like live streaming in the hallways like on instagram live and they would like bump into sam and be like oh we learn a little bit more about austin he wants to be a poet but his dad owns a car wash and uh he's a he's a usc alum and cares deeply about you he wants him to go to usc and my favorite thing is he's like that's not part of the plan you know he's like talking about like austin not really being jazzed up about going to usc and it's like his entire thing is like okay son i you're gonna go to usc like we plan you're gonna play football and then instead of doing anything ambitious with your life you're gonna come back and own the car wash like you're gonna manage my little car wash that i have and that's it i'm like you couldn't even like at least be like you're gonna get a business degree you're going to like get a master's and then you're going to own the car. Wa- no, it's no, you're going to own the car wash right after playing football. That's all I care about. I'm like, my God, at least have more ambitions for your child than that. Right. Felt very it's embarrassing. The brutality of like having him, obviously they didn't know this at the time, having him want to go to school to write poems in 2004 when he would get out of college in 2008. Oh my God. He's, it's a good thing he comes from a rich family right like that's i didn't even prayers. think about that but that's so funny thoughts and prayers my, my god and, i mean at the end of the day the diner's going down in the recession but that yeah. car wash no that car wash is staying around because people still need to get their cars washed <laughs> it feels like the last like vestige of like someone being like i want to write poetry for my college major and like it not seeming like absolutely fucking wild because like after that we just We'd be like, no, just no go, go own your yeah. dad's business, please. Like, just go, just, we can't. I don't want you to go write poems in your spare time. Like, please be artistic, but also like. Yeah. And not to invoke yeah. this again, but it's almost like glitter being released on 9-11. It's like that kind of, a, it's yes. like, here's this, this product and it's shiny and it's exciting. It's starring your favorite. Oh, uh, 9-11 happened. So nobody saw it and it was savaged by critics. Like, yes. yep. I would imagine that's what it's like having a poetry degree and then the recession happens. Yeah. <laughs> like immediately after, like it really like tanking hard right there. I mean, like I wish, I wish there, there was say? a market. I wish, I wish there was. It's our arts okay. are very like, you know, I would love for them to be like, like have markets and like, you know, but sometimes I mean, in fairness too, though, Austin also, like we said, rich yeah, and a dude, he could probably get like a, a publishing deal of some kind pretty easily. Um, if he just like tried, I guess, um, he could be his generation's, uh, Ruby Cower. I'm just saying. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like he could, he could write like sad milk and honey about, by Austin yeah, names. <laughs> about football, like, um, <laughs> end zone or something. Yeah, something about fumbling. Yeah, you know, but it's like a metaphor yes. for like Not I don't know depression or something. <laughs> okay, so then enough about Austin's poetry. <laughs> but I like, <laughs> yeah, so then they they make plans to meet at the dance for the first time in person. He's basically like, "I'm in love with you. I want to meet you. Come on, let's go." And she's very hesitant. She's like, "I don't know. Like, oh, like a little on me." 
And um, Austin dumps Shelby right before the dance because he's like, I'm anticipating hooking up with this girl and like dating her and being in love with her forever. So like, bye Shelby. Um, And then Fiona, of course, is forbidding Sam from going to the dance because she has to work until midnight. And Rhonda and the other diner workers are like, no, you need to do something for yourself for once. So we're going to help you get out of this, get out of your shift. And um, yeah, like- First of all, we get like Regina King and Jennifer Coolidge kind of sparring against each other, which is very fun. Yeah, they're they're a great match for each other. I would love to see them in more things together going forward. Um, They're fantastic. Love them so much. It's like, oh, here are two professionals. They have arrived on the scene. I'm excited. Um, And then also the fact that like, then they have a costume shop montage because they have to look for a costume for Sam because she didn't have one. And I watched this and I went, this is absurd because, okay, she's trying on the Matador costume. You're like, oh, that's kind of cute. But like, it's not really it, right? And then it's like, she tries on at least three super impractical costumes that she obviously would not wear at all, especially knowing damn well, one, she's on a time crunch, two, she's going to meet her nomad right? She's going to meet the guy she's supposedly in love with. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to try on this porky pig costume for shits and giggles right now. Like what the Yeah, I'm like, don't we have, we need to speed this up. Like you're wasting your precious time at the dance. Also like trying on clothes sucks. Trying on costumes is worse. Like she's like in the, in the changing room, like fucking sweating like putting on oh, pig, whatever literally and then Rhonda is like yeah I got a wedding dress I just like have laying around Do you want to wear that and we're like what to your school dance <laughs> it's very funny too because when she shows up she's in this this gown is beaded it's corseted it's got a tool skirt and everybody else is wearing like fashion nova like oh. level costumes essentially like they went to like the Macy's in her clearance line Yes, and Shelby and her girls are like wearing like Fashion Nova Angel costumes. Um, like, I mean, yeah, some of the the dudes are wearing more elaborate, like, like Three Musketeers. The Three Musketeers costumes. is so random. Like, was it that? I don't remember it being that popular. Well, I think it, they just wanted the joke of them being the Three like, Three Musketeers yeah. in the movie rather than it being a practical um, costume. But yeah, and then everybody else is just like wearing like a, I don't know, like a hot dog. There's salt and pepper. Um, and then of course the twins end up wearing Siamese cat, but Siamese twins costume. It's very like visual. She's not like other girls because she's wearing like, which is like the theme of the movie, right? It's like, yeah, I'm not like other girls. She's a tomboy. She works hard. She's got good grades. She's a nice lady. Like that's like her entire Mm -hmm. MO. Um, it's, it's a little bit different from like Lindsay Lohan and confessions of a teenage drama queen where it's like oh she's not like the, the other girls because she tells us every five seconds she's not like the other girls whereas this it's like oh she like is pure and she's good and you know in the way that like a cinderella is supposed and the to man be, is right? telling yes. us that she's not like other girls because obviously he's you know the arbiter of such so. yes exactly um yeah and she like gets the spotlight and everything and and like she realizes it's, it's austin ames and she's like Ugh. Ugh not into this I don't want to see you she's basically like I'm leaving at that point but then he ends up winning her over they walk around the school they play 20 questions he still can't fucking figure out who she is because he's an idiot and then they dance to crying shoulder and I'm laughing because it's like they're in a gazebo clearly set up for a wedding and there's like candles lit already (laughs) it's so wild and three people playing instruments too and I'm sorry like 
it's such a romantic moment. And like the line, I'll be love suicide is such a wild line in this song. And I'm just like, and it's like, because there's no one talking, it is just like the song and them dancing. All you are listening to is the lyrics and you're like, damn, this song is wild. The, the, and, the Twilight yeah. like prom scene did it much better. Yes. yes. I agree. And Bella's wearing a cast in that. Uh, like, yeah, and they still do it. Forget, you know. So like she runs away because she's like, I gotta fucking go. He still doesn't know who she is. And they're crowned homecoming king and queen. And she's she doesn't know that. Um, and it's wild. It's a wild scene. They go on a mad goose chase because Jennifer Coolidge's character is about to, you know, bust her at the diner. Um, she also just got Botox, which is a great bit. Um, she can't great move her face. She can't show emotion for like another 20 minutes, which makes me laugh. She's fantastic. Um, just the absurdity of like them almost dying in a car crash <laughs> while she has a very Botox face and the girls are in that costume next to her. It's, it's great. So and then after it happens, she can move her face again. M- magic. Yeah, yes. magically. Magic. Because that's how Botox yep. works. You have a traumatic life incident. Her muscles said, face. get me the fuck you're out of here. You're going at such a high speed that it just goes. Like you're on the beach from old almost. <laughs> yeah. It's accelerated to, yeah. to that level. Um, after they flee, we see like the next day, Austin's like putting up signs everywhere. They're trying to find the girl. Um, and And really like, there's not much else going on that we haven't already discussed in that particular sequence of events, but just basically she's like, I don't want to tell him who I am. She doesn't realize her phone's missing somehow, which is kind of absurd. I guess maybe back then yeah. people didn't need it as much as we do now, but like, yeah. I can't imagine she using my phone for that long. All the time. Yeah. Like, I feel like she, she got- they were constantly communicating and she never once goes, Oh no, where's my yeah. phone? She's just like, moving on with my life now yeah i feel like Whatever. i would be more likely try to get a new one yeah. yeah to like be stuck on my computer and just forget about my phone or something and have someone like i don't know combine take yeah it. i wouldn't notice but like she's just same all day she's like yeah yeah and like she has like she you would think she'd be like oh i have to go talk to nomad we have to text each other but like no she she just is like yeah my phone not thinking about it right now. I don't care. I got other things going on, I guess. <laughs> I also wasn't like, okay. Like, exp- I mean, it's still expensive to have a cell phone, but like, I feel like then it was like, like a big expense, right? I, I almost wonder if it's just like Fiona got her a phone just so she could like order her around and like boss her around. It was like, oh, you yeah. need one. I feel like my anxiety would it. be like, um, you don't have your phone. <laughs> yeah. Don't get your phone. <laughs> I could not live yeah, like I'd that, right? No. And uh, uh, there's also the fact that, oh, the sisters also try and like pull the whole we were Cinderella thing. It doesn't work. Um, they try they, really hard. They get put through the car wash, but then at one point when one of them is trying to get her to like do her homework or write her paper or whatever, um, the love silent thing happens of like Sam getting up from the computer and she goes over and she looks, she reads her emails and her IMs or whatever. And they end up printing a literal folder of receipts and presenting it to Shelby and being like, so okay, good. listen, Austin broke up with you, but it was because he was being lured away by Sam. Yeah, and like, yes, they can be him. dumb, but them teaming up with Shelby was very smart. Yes. Yeah. Cause they can't get stuff done on their own. So they have to call in reinforcements. It's, you know, that, that, 
Thorgy Thor moment from All Stars 3. Um, I'd be open to alliances. <laughs> yeah. Or honestly, it's like when when um the Roy siblings teamed up with uh, Marsha in season two of Succession to try and get uh, Rhea out. It was very like that. It was like, yeah. oh, this is our like Avengers going up against Thanos moment. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it's it great. And they really... Um, they really put time and effort into that skit just to humiliate her, which I really, like we said, loser behavior, mm-hmm. very embarrassing. Um, cheerleaders would not be caught dead at my school performing skits. I don't know about everybody else's schools, but it doesn't seem correct to me. I also particularly love that they have two girls just like doing handstands to pretend to be a wall <laughs> during this performance. They trained for weeks for that, I bet. Just trained for weeks. Yeah. Just to, just to be a wall, you know, yeah. um, very method acting, very Daniel Day-Lewis of them. I get it. Like, makes sense. And the fact that, like, none of the administration, like, stops up and is, like, steps up and is, like, hey, uh, this is inappropriate. Like, we should not be doing this. <laughs> like, exposing people in front of the whole school. Uh, kind of not cool. But, like, nobody does anything. And it's just Sam getting humiliated and running off. Of course, completely embarrassed by it. It's so sad. And um, yeah, and then like, I mean, after that point, I think really the only thing that kind of happens is that she ends up get, well, first of all, she does get end up, end up getting accepted into Princeton, but Fiona throws away the, the acceptance letter. And my thing is, is like, I understand maybe not wanting her to go to Princeton because it's like, you don't want her to necessarily be better than your daughters you don't want her to like do well for herself in that way also maybe you want to still order her around but I'm like wouldn't you also kind of be happy if you hate her so much to like have her out of your house yeah, like maybe and as far away as like, possible I know that she's like working at the diner but like you could hire anyone yeah they have money like you could get feasibly anybody to do your dirty work to you know feed you salmon at all hours of the day and night like I just don't understand (laughs) other than like just to show how mean she is and how how bad she is she throws away her dream essentially um but uh she basically you know fed up with the with the uh school stuff and Fiona treating her poorly she is like you know what I'm moving out which I did think was very funny because it's like she has no like are you You not emancipated or something yeah, like, hello? Yeah, it's basically Fiona would be like, okay, I'll see you in court, sweaty. Yeah. Like, try totally. me. <laughs> um, the, but Rhonda just step up and is like, she'll live with me. And I guess Fiona's like, well, okay, fine, sure, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't have to deal with this shit. You're, you're all annoying. But yeah, so then after that point, uh, we have Sam going into the boys' locker room right before the big game. Oh, God. Just like storming in there to go talk to Austin. And really she just basically is like, I can't handle you being two people, being popular and being like nomad and being all nice to me. And then like ignoring me, you need to make up your mind. And then it says the iconic line because waiting for you is like waiting for rain in this drought, useless and disappointing. <laughs> and I just know that the writer was like sitting down and was like, oh, I got one that's going to knock their socks off. Everyone's going to stand up in the theater. They're going to start clapping. They're going to start crying. They're going to start cheering. Someone might vomit a little bit because they're just like so overcome with emotion. That's like the first line that they wrote and they were like, <laughs> wow, this is going to be so good. And then they just built it around that and it- 
They reverse engineer. Yeah. yeah. Really, I can I can envision it in my mind. Okay, how do we make this work? Okay, Cinderella. And then like they played six degrees of separation between Cinderella and rain and drought. You know, like that's that's how it went. They connect the dots. It's very like Charlie Kelly in the mailroom with Peppy Sylvia. Like just like losing their mind, having like a cigarette hanging out of their, their fingers. And they're just like trying really hard to make connections here. But her delivery of that line also is very funny because it's just not good delivery at all. It's, and the line already is so corny. And it's just like, wow. You know what it reminded me of? You know, what? it reminded me of her PSA. <gasps> like, that's what it reminded me of. About not saying the word gay. Yeah. Oh my God. She delivered it the same exact way she did she that did, PSA. You're right. <laughs> oh my God. I need to, I need to rewatch that. It really, every once in a while it comes up on my timeline and it, it brings me joy, you know? Yeah. I would, I would say that that's the same energy she brings to a lot of things, mm-hmm. um, including, but not limited to the compilation of her doing the with love dance breakdown, um, over and over again. She like thinks she's killing it, but I'm here to tell you she, she is not. <laughs> and then after this point, the football game is happening like you first of all you Carter would not catch like, my ass at this game Carter is like my ass can anywhere. we go to the football game and she's like yeah I guess so and I'm just like why are you going if I were him I'd be like I don't think I would ask her to go to this game because she would she would be humiliated like she really is embarrassed yeah she was just like her entire business was put out in front of the entire school I don't think she wants to be around other high schoolers right now and like they go anyway she's like I think this is too much I gotta go and as she starts to leave Austin sees her in the stands and is like, okay, I gotta go give my, give my football career up for this girl. And literally is like, I quit. And they have like, they have like five seconds left in this game. And he's like, I gotta go. And then he has the whole confrontation with his dad where he's like, you're throwing away your dream. No, I'm throwing away yours. And then he gets up in the stands. Iconic. And they like start making out in front of everybody. And then they win the game and then it starts raining. And that's like- it's like such a wild sequence of events. Truly, it's like actually insane. Like, oh yeah, okay. So they started making out and it was so historic that uh, the drought ended immediately. They, just, they didn't check the forecast. <laughs> they were like, yep, yeah, we're just, we're going to go do nothing to prepare for this weather, play a football game. Um, yeah really they're like well it's a drought what what could possibly disrupt this weather oh we didn't account for two people making out ferociously in front of everybody at the school i know that the news the cameras went straight down and we're like breaking news (laughs) drought over (laughs) two people making teenagers on a football field oh my god breaking news i just know that these these people like they last like the summer they go to like college after the first couple of weeks they start to drift and then one of them like cheats oh. on the other with their friend and then they marry the friend yeah, after sure. they break up yeah just- well I mean she even says at the at the very end of the movie when they talk about how they're both going to Princeton together and like she's basically like you know our relationship can start now something to that effect I can't remember exactly what she says but then she's like what I'm only a freshman you know talking about basically implying that like yeah their relationship has a long way to go because I mean they're only freshmen in college they're not like 
in their early 20s yet. She graduated like, a year like a early. She's like 17 when yeah. she starts college. Yeah. So, I mean, I yeah, I don't foresee this relationship really necessarily lasting that long. But I, considering sure. part of the problem with this movie, too, is that like all of their interactions are either online or they're in person. Um, and he doesn't know either who she is or he does know who she is and he has no interest in her because she's not his girl, right? So like, there's not a ton of tension in that way. Like, I'm like, I can't really necessarily buy that this relationship's gonna work because yeah, you could have great chemistry online, but like talking in person is a very different thing. And while yes, they do have it in that one moment at the dance, it's like, that's not like long. And like, that's like the honeymoon phase. That's actually, that's not even the honeymoon phase. That's like the the crush phase. That's not like actual romantic chemistry necessarily, yeah. at least to carry on a full blooded relationship I just like I, it's very funny to me that they're like yes they are perfect for each other can't you see and I'm like they have like one real conversation it's like one person. good moment in literally the, in the talking period like before you actually yeah, quote unquote yeah. um you have like one good day it's just very funny that like back in the day I watched this stuff and was like oh this is romance this is so real oh my god I can't believe it they got together I'm so excited and now I'm like have a conversation get coffee yeah do something do something get to know each other a little bit you know go to the mall the mall please go see a movie go see a movie go talk about it over dinner hang out at the diner when she's not working I don't know. Do we have final thoughts on a Cinderella story? Oh, forgot to mention the will was in the storybook the entire time. Nobody checked. I don't understand how that happened because she clearly had an attachment to that book, especially it being related to her father's literal death. You would think she would have like looked in there at least once to be like, Hmm, what is this blue envelope that contains? Like she didn't open it for 10 years or whatever. Like, I don't know. It'd be different if like she found it and Fiona was like, oh, that thing, that's nothing. Mm -hmm. And like she didn't understand what it was, but like, no, she just didn't look. And then it's randomly revealed. And of course, this comes after like at the beginning of the movie where her dad's like, everything you need to know um is in these books, talking about fairy tales, you know. And you think at the time, oh, that's sweet. Like he's telling her to believe in fairy tales and princesses and all of that, you know, hold that memory close to you. That's great. And he's very encouraging. No, it's just like a literal metaphor for like, you're going to find the wheel in this book. But he said that to a child as if she's supposed to put two and two together. Like, I don't know. It's it's absolutely not happening. Uh, But yeah. And um, also the big reveal that Carter is uh, not with Shelby, but is with the hot goth girl who does the announcement. I love that. Yeah. um, Throughout the movie. Love her. Wait. Love her so much. I also said marshing my mellow a lot after this movie because mm-hmm. of her. Yeah. Her impact. But yeah, okay. um, that's pretty much everything. I mean, also our, my, our lips are sealed. That happens at the end of the movie too. <laughs> I feel like my, I, the first note yeah. I wrote after I watched this was like mercifully an hour and a half. And that's like, Oh yeah, what great I, think of it. I was like, thank God, because but it I does feel do... like it's like a solid two fifty. Yeah. <laughs> at several points. Like I don't think I don't think almost any movie should be above an hour and a half. But like if this one yeah. had, I would have absolutely turned it off. So grateful. Okay, and on this week's what the plot, Megan is gonna guess the plot to Austin Land. 
Would you like any information about her? Do you just want to just go like do a year director anything? I have no idea. <laughs> I did find just out that Jennifer Coolidge is in it. Um, when I like looked on her Wikipedia, that's all I know about it is that she's mm -hmm. also in it, but I don't know what she does. Um, I know nothing about it and um, except the poster and the name. So yeah, it's very exciting. Um, I didn't realize she was in this. Yeah, I might watch it now. Probably not, but maybe. 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 <laughs> um, okay. So it's what I think the plot of Austin Land is. Yes. Like, and as descriptive as you can be, possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, just dig deep within your mm -hmm. heart. Yeah. And I think you'll find something. Yeah, I feel this one. I think um, I'm getting like a hard Pride and Prejudice, like a reboot. Um, when she like moves to Britain or something after like, I don't know, a bad breakup or like a loss of a loved one or something, moves to like, I'm assuming a British castle that's Jane Austen themed, or maybe she works at like a bookstore that's called Austin Land or something. Um, and then there's a guy who like doesn't believe in romance and he is like, he comes in there and he's like mean to her. Um, and then they fall in love, but she has to go back to America. Um, and she has to decide if she wants to stay in Britain with her true love who now is less mean to her. Um, or if she wants to go back to America and get back together with her ex or whatever. Um, and that's literally what I think it is. No, no idea if it's actually that. Yeah, so like very like, I think that sounds like very much like a, a rom-com of the era, yes. you know? Yeah, that's the vibe yeah. I get kind from of, like the, the poster. Uh, yeah, a little bit high concept, but also kind of like very generic in a sense it's like the concept itself is intriguing and different than a lot of rom-coms mm -hmm. it's like the actual execution is very like th there aren't like super high stakes you know yeah. there's not like anything when really i about. when i read what this movie actually was i was like wow would have never guessed i i had a vague idea but my assumption was actually kind of wrong so the actual plot of the movie is that she's a single 30 something um carrie russell is a single 30 something obsessed with jane austen's novel Pride and Prejudice, and she ends up traveling to a British resort called Austin Land, oh in which the Austin era is recre recreated. So it's basically like Westworld, but, but for Jane Austen, Austen novels. And um, the idea is that, like, the highlight of the resort is that they are guaranteed to romance with the male actors, but oh. they're not allowed to touch each other. And looking at this, like, she can only afford the cheapest package, and she ends up um like befriending Having like a fellow own. guest or so and like you know she ends up like meeting the actors and stuff like that and ends up kind of having a, a flirtation um with one of the guys there and it becomes a whole thing Mr. And, and Darcy asks it's like very much that kind of literally retranslated almost um but the most shocking thing to me is that this was produced by one Stephanie Meyer. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I could not believe it when I read that. Um, truly absurd. It also premiered at Sundance. Sundance. Oh my God. Wild. Wait, this was in 2013. I thought it was like yes. 2002. 
2013. Very much like a 2004, 2002 kind of a movie. So reading that honestly shook me to my core as well. Somehow 2013. Like that really is like the plot of a rom-com that would happen then. And I think the problem is that we don't have that many rom-coms like now in the traditional sense. So it's like... Mm -hmm. Something like this you would think would really blow up or really be like interesting, but it's like the industry as a whole doesn't have a lot of interest in them. So they have no reason to like really promote them and like really make them into a big deal. So it's like a movie like this just kind of passes by. Um, the reception is it, it got like a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> it's true. I just, um, but I yeah. think my plot was just so much better. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe a little more. I mean, was it maybe that, a little I more. Was, um, what's the movie i'm thinking of where she like goes to italy or whatever and then um under the tuscan sun i think it's under the tuscan sun or mona lisa smile i'm not sure there's also the fact that um i just want to say so the reason why i thought this movie is different i thought that she somehow accidentally traveled or like an outlander yeah like outlander Yes, into like literal Austin Regency land. Like, era. Yeah, into this God. era. And I thought that she like had a flirtation with a guy there, like very similar to Outlander. But no, I was informed she merely went on vacation. That's still, that's still more interesting than, than what they actually gave us. So it's true. This is like a less interesting version of, of Last Holiday, Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I would like to see what Jennifer Coolidge does in it though, because like I, oh, I yeah. love Jane Austen. Like- this was, is theoretically up my alley and like maybe Jennifer Coolidge has some like parts that are worth the hopefully hour and a half that it is. Yeah. 97 yeah. minutes. Oh. We stand. Perfect. Honestly good for that movie. Yeah. No way. They knew. Get yeah. in, get out. Like shit or get off the pot. Um, guess yeah. what? They're shitting. <laughs> they're shitting and they're getting off the pot. They're getting off the pot. <laughs> 97 minutes later. It's great. Good for them. I hope they had a nice vacation in Britain, if that's where they filmed it. Yeah. (laughs) Probably. Oh, it was. Yeah. Filmed in in Britain. Again, do you have anything you'd like to plug or do you want to plug your social media or anything? Um, I am MDKennedy21 on pretty much every platform because my name is very common. Um, But yeah. A lot of Megans. Yep. A lot of Megans, a lot of Kennedys. Um, But yeah, my Twitter ends up being... Um, dumb stuff and political science stuff and um yeah so you can <laughs> um I follow back and whatever but I don't have any like particular plugging things to plug so okay I plug Mamma Mia one and two is what I plug yes <laughs> and as far as our social media goes you can follow us on twitter at blessed pick and on instagram at blessed.picture um, in our link tree, there's a link to the discord. You can join to talk to us about movies and, um, why we cast Chad Michael Murray and all of these things. And he was 23 years old. Um, you can find us yeah. on anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, podcast, overcast, et cetera, et cetera. Please rate and review on Apple podcasts. And Help don't forget out. to look in the back of your fairy tale books to find your father's hidden will. <laughs> That's definitely where it is. Will. That's all I got. I also do want to note that I did add a horny channel, horny jail channel on the Discord yesterday. 
just because I saw those pictures of John Bernthal and went, this is it. This, I have to address this now. Actually, it wasn't yesterday. It was the day before, but you get the point. Those pictures were... They, they were great. Things. I haven't stopped they thinking were about good. that Oscar Isaac video from like a week ago yeah. or something. But so hot. And don't forget to stream um, Oscar Isaac and Marissa Tomei's quarantine play Beirut. Oh, it was the hottest thing I've ever seen. Okay, that's all I have. Bye. I- Bye.